This is Brett. And this is Steve. And we're just talking about Star Wars all the time on the Skywalk. feels really weird saying all the stuff that Jeff usually says. Welcome back to the Skywalk Moof Milkers. Jeff is not here today, as you can tell. But today, I am very happy to have our pal, Steve McMahon, a.k.a. better known on this podcast as Steelbook Steve. Welcome, Steve, back to the Skywalk. It's a pleasure, Brett. Thanks for having me. Good morning. Oh, man, this is going to be so much fun, Steve. We're here, of course, to talk about the book of Boba Fett, chapter two, the title of which, Steve, I believe is The Tribes of Tatooine. Is that right? Did I get that right? I forget. Yeah. Well, it better be right because we're not making any edits today. Uh, But before we get into the episode, as always, social meteors. This is where the good move milkers can find us on social media on Apple Podcasts. Search for The Skywalk. Sky is in sky and walk as in the thing you cook in, spelled W-O-K. Subscribe there and leave us a review. Spotify, same deal, The Skywalk, three words. And by the way, you can now review us on Spotify. So please do that when you get a chance. Leave us five stars or else leave us nothing because you're dead to us. Disgracebook, facebook.com slash The Skywalk. Twitter at the Skywalk, Instagram the Skywalk, and I can't do the Jeff voice, Steve. By the way, Steve, as you can yeah. tell, I feel like we have a rule on the Skywalk that uh, I can only have as co-host someone whose voice is eighteen decibels lower than mine, or eight nah. octaves lower than mine. Yeah, octaves would be the right octaves, not yeah, decibels. Yeah. Right, octaves. My bad. No cuts. Uh, on Podomatic, we are starwarsovercoffee.podomatic.com and all the other social media platforms, Stitcher, Podbean, Amazon, Google, Player FM, Audible, Odyssey, iHeartRadio, Himalaya, and more. You make some of those up? No. Every, you know, every time I read those... Jeff thinks I'm making up half of them. And then Jeff throws in some fake ones. And I'm like, no, these are all real. These aren't like the Bill Belichick social meteors, like uh, Snapface or whatever. (laughs) (laughs) Steve, it's super good to have you back. Just to give give the Moof Milkers a little background. Steve and I have known each other for a long time. So we are old friends and we are old friends. Mm -hmm. Um, Steve, I was thinking today, I don't even remember. I don't remember when we met. Or who we met through. You, you know, usually you remember like, oh, we met through this mutual friend. There's like a dozen people I think that could be. I don't know if you remember, but I don't. Probably 1998. Yeah. It was probably Matt Burton. Yeah, prob- that's what I was thinking. That was my key suspect. Probably. Yeah, Matt. <laughs> uh, but yeah, it's been a, it's, it's been a long, circuitous path. <laughs> To the Skywalk. <laughs> yeah. And you've been on the Skywalk before. Steve was on our, I believe mm-hmm. it was our solo A Star Wars Story pregame show that you appeared on, if I'm not yes. mistaken. Right? Yes. That was in studio. In studio. Yes. When we used to do that. Good times. Go back and listen to that, Move Milkers. It was fun. Steve, we're going to skip the fail bag today. We're going to save that for when Jeff is back. Jeff, by the way, is in Jedi Academy this week, so he couldn't be with us. Uh, but he will be back for our next episode. We're going to save the fail bag because, first of all, this was a really long episode. 
of the book of Boba Fett. And we have so much to cover. There is so much to talk about. I so, got so uh, excited. So oh, excited when I saw the runtime at 52 minutes. Right? Scroll down the app this morning, saw it. And I'm like, yeah. And you know what's funny about that? Like last night I was looking, because, you know, usually at some point there's some website that breaks the runtime somehow or they release yeah. that somewhere. And I couldn't find anything about it. And the only thing I found was someone claiming that Lucasfilm had confirmed that the episodes are between 35 and 45 minutes. So I'm thinking like, all right. Oh, it, that's. Yeah. <laughs> right? that's, a, that's a huge, huge nugget right there. Yeah. Well, it would TV be if it was true. 30, yeah. 35 to 45 minutes TV show. No way. No, you don't suppose. But then, you know, sure enough, turn it on. And it's 52 or 53. Right. Above. Somewhere in there. Right. But you were right. It is. The uh, tribes of Tatooine. The tribes of Tatooine. So, Steve, we're going to do the same thing that Jeff and I did last time. Uh, we have not told each other what we think of this episode yet. And we're going to do that on the count of three. And, and just like a one or two word phrase or whatever, we're going to tell each other what we think of this episode in three, two, one. Amazing. Really enjoyed it. All right. Okay. All right. Wow. Steve, wait. Are you telling me that you were not absolutely blown away by this episode? No, no, I was not. I was not absolutely blown away. Wow. Really? No. Wow. This is awesome. In, in fact, at one point I was worried. Really? All right. And it wasn't, it wasn't a worry that I wasn't liking it yep. or that my kids weren't liking it. I was, I am still a little worried about what kind of garbage we're going to have floating out there with fan dissatisfaction especially oh. considering how the how the first the first episode transpired i was getting that vibe oh no initially in the show all right well so that's good but, to know so actually so what you're saying is there was nothing in the episode that worried you it's more no. what the reaction would be right because there's tons of there's there's still world they're still building his backstory right and it's it's taken a while i like the fact that it's taking a while yeah we're getting good stuff especially this i think the stuff we got in this one for the flashbacks slash backstory was a little richer than absolutely the first episode yeah so steve maybe before we get into chapter two you could sum up for us what was your opinion of chapter one since we didn't have you I was, last time i was so excited to see live action Star Wars yeah. that I, for a, a, quite a while after watching the episode, I did not have an objective point of view. I just, I was over the moon to have it back. Right. Um, and then after listening to some pinheads online and, you know, <laughs> getting, get a, getting opinions from people I do value. Right. There, there, there were some, there were some little, there were some things in the episode that were, that go look at and kind of laugh at and right. wonder why, but right. I, I still really liked it. Yeah. Yeah. Wish it was 10, 12 minutes longer, but I feel whatever. the exact same way. And I'm glad you mentioned that. So there's, there was sort of a, an admission that I want to make Steve from our last episode. So in our last episode, Jeff and I talked about how we, we sort of agreed on something. And what we said was that we are perfectly happy to get sort of the same old Star Wars, but a little bit different. And yes. there, there are some people who criticize that viewpoint, right? Where it's like, oh, all you Star Wars fans, you just want the same thing over and over again. And we were saying like, yeah, that's kind of true. And we just want it to be a little bit different. And for example, the cantina, right? The, uh, the sanctuary, as it's called, we now know. Um, 
it's kind of like the other cantinas, but different. You know, it's a cantina. Mm-hmm. It's got, it literally has the same music as the we cantina on Moss Island. And we got that in this episode too. Yeah, and we got it again. To a smaller degree. Yep. And it's just, it's like the cantina, but different. And I am happy with that. And when I say it though, I mean it more from an aesthetic standpoint. Like mm-hmm. I want to see things that look very much at home in the Star Wars universe, but I do want them to be a little different. Like I want to see that expanded on. And that's, that's generally what they do. How I don't always mean that, though, is like I do want new things from the story. And I, I understand. And, and I guess part of it is like I've sort of set my expectations, especially for the TV shows, mm-hmm. that essentially they're all going to be about the same theme, which is almost always redemption. Right. And, and I get the vibes from this show that this is the redemption of Boba Fett. Right. And I'm, I'm kind of OK with that for certain things. When it comes to the movies, I feel differently. And that is one reason why, Steve, and I don't know if you agree with me or not, but I I love The Last Jedi to death. It is absolutely my favorite of all the new Star Wars movies. The reason being for me is that it really did go different places story-wise. It never felt like it was just aping things that happened in the past. That That's my opinion. Mm-hmm. Okay. And I think along with that, you got amazingly new things that we've never seen before, like, like Crate which on the surface, literally on the surface, looks like Hoth. And I think that's like a fascinating (laughs) parallel, right? Where it's just like, yeah, if you just like scrape it with your finger, you'll see that it is quite different below. The scene in the Millennium Falcon flying through the caverns of Crate is to me perhaps the most beautiful thing I've seen in all of Star Wars. Um, So for me, I do want new things from story. And to tell you the truth, Steve, I think we're kind of getting both with this show because I thought it was going to be, you know, chapter one, it did seem silly at times. And as much as I loved it, mm-hmm. I also read a negative review of it. I read a hilarious no review. Way. I think it was in, yeah, believe it or not, Steve, there was a Star Wars fan with a negative opinion. And uh, I think it was in the uh, San Francisco gate or something. I don't know. Somehow I came across this thing and it was an ab- dude, absolutely scathing review of chapter one. And the thing is, I didn't disagree with anything the guy said, and yet I loved it. So I'm like, yeah, you know, you pointed out this thing, and you're right. And I you bet pointed that out, dude. I bet that dude loves Batman versus Superman. Pro- <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, and Justice League was even better. I mean, you know, the Snyderverse. Snyder cut. Anyway. Yeah. So <laughs> I, I just think, uh, I don't know this. So. Coming up to chapter two, mm-hmm. I think it started like, all right, it's the same sort of, it feels kind of basic at first, the story, but it actually went places I really didn't expect. And I think, and like you said, Steve, I think there is this time period where we're so like enraptured and there's this like at least temporary, maybe it's the spice that a uh, Tuscan Raider blew in our face that we have this like ecstatic joy immediately after watching the show. And then mm-hmm. when the dust settles, it's like, okay, what did, what did I really think? You know? Mm-hmm. And I'm glad we're recording this episode with the spice dust still fresh, you know, yeah. but, but, but I really do think this episode was a lot more complex. I thought there was a lot more heart, Steve. So, okay. I want to start off. We just have, I have a bunch of random notes about the episode and we can just go wherever we want to go with this and talk about whatever you want to talk about. Um, whatever I want to talk about, about this episode. One of the things that I jotted down about halfway through this episode, Steve, 
I thought to myself, there is no way Robert Rodriguez <laughs> directed this episode because there was so much, I felt like there was so much heart. There was a lot of nuance. There was a lot of like, like the pacing was, I thought, fantastic. I was never bored. And no, okay, okay. Th- there were parts where I was like, wow, that, that is actually pretty moving. And there, there was sort of a complexity to it that I don't think you saw in chapter one. So I don't know if, so you get to the credits and it said, directed by Steph Green. Steve, have you ever heard of Steph Green? Nope. All right, neither had I. So my note initially was, who the heck is Steph Green? Then I looked it up on IMDb, and I'm just going to read you this real quick. Steph Green, she's amazing. Look, first first of all, I'm going to say, she did such an incredible job on this episode. I love Steph Green. I want more Steph Green Star Wars. Steph Green is an Oscar and Emmy-nominated film and TV director whose cinematic projects range from independent features to award-winning television. Here's what she's done, Steve. She has directed top TV shows, such as The Americans, Man in the High Castle, you're the Worst, and Billions. Most recently, she was nominated for an Emmy in 2020 for Outstanding Directing in a Limited Series for her work on the highly acclaimed HBO series Watchmen. So I was, man, like, that's a lot. Oh, uh, I, I, there might have been one of those shows I hadn't heard of before, but the other ones are at least well reported on. Yes, exactly. I haven't seen many uh, of them, if any, but no. yeah. Very, very well received critically. So I guess mm-hmm. now knowing who she is, we shouldn't be surprised. But man, like I was just, I was so pleasantly surprised by this episode. And I think Steph Green is uh, probably a, a big part of the reason why. Also, again, episode written by John Favreau, who I just think tries harder at times than others. But, you know, it's really hard to write, <laughs> like Maybe. write a whole season Maybe. of a TV yeah. show, right? You know, mm-hmm. um, so they're not all going to be winners. Um, Steve, what do you think of the score? So we've had a couple of weeks now to let this new Boba theme settle in on us. How do you feel about I, it? I think it's okay. Yeah. Um, I enjoy it. It's not, it's not getting in my way of watching. So sometimes every now and then you'll be watching something and the music will be not volume wise, but make you, make Did, you raise an eyebrow. Like too much. It, this music is just in the background it's not getting in my way uh there's definitely a cue here or there that makes me think of the mandalorian yeah it makes me think of rocky <laughs> yep yep which is from goran goran right. yep um yeah i just forgot his whole name so that's why i said ludwig that. But ludwig, ludwig mandalorian uh, goranson <laughs> perfect yeah. but uh the score is nice yeah i have no problems with it i'm ha- i'm happy with it um, I, I can't get it out of my head, Steve. I'm singing it's it in the a, shower. I think it's a bit. I think it's a little simpler. Yeah. I think there was more going on in the Mandalorian score, but who knows? I'm not, I'm not a music critic. Yeah, I like it. I noticed in the credits for this one that Ludwig, uh, it said something like he created the themes or something, but somebody else is actually scoring the episodes. So it's kind of like it's kind of like okay. Solo, you know, where uh, John Williams I think wrote the solo theme. But it was, mm-hmm. uh, what was the guy's name? John Powell, I think, was the composer for the movie. Yes. So that's yeah. kind of cool, you know? And I think maybe with uh, so much Star Wars content coming out, you know, you can't have like five TV shows in a year. and They're all scored by Ludwig, you know? <laughs> <laughs> so Might be a little much. Yeah, that might be a little bit much. I think he's got a, at least a kid or two. So, you know, let him spend some time with his family, you know? Just write the main score. 
Um, Steve, question. Yeah. For your eagle eyes, was that, I feel like in the first scene, actually, you know what? Let me go back to the beginning, Steve. I thought the opening shot was beautiful. We got a really oh, nice pan. The rise up to Jabba's palace. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think uh, if you're like me, Steve, you've been wanting to see that sort of thing since 1983. Yes. Yeah. I thought that was awesome. Uh, then uh, I think the the rancor, quote unquote, scene was terrific, too. I really liked that dynamic. I thought that was funny because as soon as they opened the, the door to the pit. Right. I'm like, uh, OK, what's down there? Yeah. What's, yeah. And then the suspense, the suspense, the thing opens and there's a little rat running around in there. <laughs> uh, I was actually expecting a, a more snarky comment from Fennec or somebody up. <laughs> yeah. What did yeah, she say? There's no it's rancor empty. in there, you yeah. idiot. Yeah, that was pretty good. I was <laughs> expecting, honestly, I was expecting like maybe a baby rancor. I thought like maybe they got a young one, which I think we saw like in the Bad Batch, right? But that was, I guess, the original rancor as a kid. <laughs> Oh, yeah, I guess. Rancor prequel. Yeah. They got to be the same guy, yeah. Yeah, of course. But uh, I thought maybe maybe they got a new one or maybe they got some other creature that's going to be down there. Um, of course, I was thinking like, there's no way there's going to be a Rancor, right? And sure enough, there wasn't. I thought that no. scene was pretty fun. So then they end up going back, Steve, to the city, which uh, do you remember the name of the city where uh, where the... I think, I the, believe that's Mos Espa. Mos Espa, okay. Which... Going back to A New Hope and Phantom Menace, Attack of Clones, Moss Eisley is tiny. Right. It really just is a little spaceport as opposed to Moss Espa, which I really don't remember seeing before. I don't know if it was in an animated anything, but it was way bigger than I ever expected Moss Espa to be. Right. From looking at Moss Eisley. Right. So, so th- that's pretty cool. But I love that they they drag that punk assassin down the street. Yep, and I think so. So I was wondering, right? Like, I don't know if you notice when they're when they're when they show Mas Espa at the beginning of that mm-hmm. scene, they do like the aerial shot. Yeah, there's a ship in the distance that sort of looks like the Razor Crest. But I don't know if you notice that. So maybe on your next it's time not. through, yeah, it'll be, I'll be curious. Maybe I'll. Uh, I'm sure somebody online has already waited on that. Uh, another question for you, Steve. Do you think, yeah. so you mentioned the humor. I really did like the humor too in in that uh, Rancor scene. Um, do you think the humor is at times a little too sitcom-y? Like for me, I'll give you an example. When they walk into the mayor's office, mm-hmm. the dude behind the desk bothered me a little bit. I'm like, this dude's like a little too 7-Eleven for, for like <laughs> Mas Espa <laughs> in the Star Wars universe, but... Again, not a big complaint. No, I didn't. Uh, I didn't have a problem with it, any of the comedic aspects that we've gotten in the TV shows. There, there were a couple moments in some of the in some of the sequel trilogy movies that I I kind of yeah raised an eyebrow with. But mm-hmm. at the same point, I'm like, I look back at the the original trilogy and the amount of times that I laugh is right. It doesn't matter, right? So yeah. But what I do like the uh, Miss Ithorian, I. Oh, yeah. Remember from the, the Ithorian is the mayor of Mos Espa. Mm-hmm. In the previews, you really, all we heard was an, like an, a, a, a human voice speaking basic right. or not human, but you, you at least heard somebody speaking regular basic language. Right. I'm trying not to say English, you know, for the, you know, yeah, trying right, to be right, in, right. in world here in right. universe. Um, 
but he had some sort of translator device, which I thought was cool because I remember reading about Ithorians and they had a completely different language and mm-hmm. they sounded weird and they had four throats. Yep. And which is gross, and you can see you can see his like side mouth moving, which I think is yes. really cool. <laughs> uh, yeah. But one thing that made me pause in people had theorized as to who this um who this mayor was. Yep. Because the only other like name brand Ithorian we've had in recent times ever was the guy from Black Spire Outpost. Right. Doc, Doc Ondar. Ondar. Yeah. Which this is not him. This is a different dude. And his name escapes me, unfortunately, but it's not Doc Ondar. It oh, is right. Mark Shaiz. Mark Shaiz. Mark Shaiz. Yeah. In which Boba Fett said his name, and I had to rewind it once or twice to kind of really hear it. Because yep. it was kind of quick. Yep. But uh, yeah. I think, so for me, Steve, this might have been my favorite part of the episode. Well, just the, at least aesthetically, I think the building that the mayor is housed in, I think his... Mm-hmm his quarters there where they go in to talk to him. Yeah. That his... was not palatial. That was just, it was right behind the desk. Yeah. It was pretty chill. This is like, Oh, he's just in a room in the middle of a room. You know what I mean? Yep. Um, Steve, that's, it, yeah, that's kind of how I just described like handicapped bathrooms before. It's like, you feel like you're, <laughs> it's like, you feel like you're going to the bathroom in the middle of a gymnasium. And it's like, this is kind of how this dude's room is. Like, he's just like on a throne in the middle of a big room. Of course, yeah. he's he's well guarded, which is cool. But man, like his digs, I was like, I don't know, man. That is that is some peak Star yeah. Wars right there. His guards didn't seem like total stooges either. No, they actually seemed pretty good. Yeah. You know, um, really loved that. Then, Steve, the thing that happens after that, they mm-hmm. come out. Uh, oh, they go back to they go back to the cantina. They head over to Flash Nance. Yep. <laughs> uh, oh, you didn't hear? Then they head out into the street. Oh, you didn't know that huts are coming for you? You know? You didn't know? We all knew, right? We all knew. And Fennec, by the way, says she pays attention to everyone, right? Like she's, right. On, she's on everything. But they didn't know that yeah. there were huts coming. But anyway, the huts. The huts. Like there are things on this show. And I guess this has been the same with The Mandalorian, too. I guess The Mandalorian, we never knew what was coming, especially in season one. Didn't know what to expect. Mm -hmm. And I found myself constantly, pleasantly surprised by that show. I feel like we should expect these things now. And I think Jeff even mentioned last episode something about, you know, will we see some huts in this show? I still I was still surprised, Steve, that we get two hut twins rolling up uh, in Mos Espa to confront to confront Boba. I was surprised by the twins aspect. I wasn't necessarily surprised by the huts aspect of it, of them showing up. Um, I thought we got one of the, one of the least believable aspects of star Wars in recent times, right in that scene. Okay. What was it? Those fools were holding those two slugs up on that platform. Oh yeah. Yeah. Come on. Yeah. Come on. There was no, there was no repulsor lift underneath there. Nothing (laughs) really. That's true. All right. That that. <laughs> well, if if you notice, Steve, the platform was buckling. It was blowing. Yeah, yeah. yeah like it was, was, it was literally buckling in the middle, which I thought was, was a good touch. For mercy. Yeah, yeah. I don't know why would you do that. You know, I, do they not know. know about Boston Dynamics? They, <laughs> they didn't seem in funny. Listening to the last episode, yeah. It, you guys saying that mm-hmm. just triggered the scenes in my head because it didn't even occur to me, and frankly, I thought it was funny. Okay. Yeah. Hey. I mean, it didn't bother me a ton. I, I, I would, I would love to not have that in my Star Wars, but you know, it's not my Star Wars. 
No. But uh, yeah, those guys holding them up, come on. Oh, man. Come no, on. that's true. That's they true. They didn't look tough. They right. didn't look like, right. you know. Yeah, they didn't they look didn't capable have... of holding up too. I mean, what do they weigh? No, like, they got to weigh like whole, a ton a piece at least. If that was a whole team of Gamorians, yeah. I could have bought it. Right. Right. I'm buying it anyway, but it, it, it looked funny. I know what you mean. Um, I was a little, I mean, I'm not even going to say disappointed because I guess I've resigned myself that they are never going to try. Uh, a practical effect hut ever again, which I think is a real shame. Last episode, you know, we're talking about in, yeah. in preparation for this show, Steve, I, I went back and rewatched Return of the Jedi for the 35th time. And I just, sure. ca- I can never get over how good Jabba looks, you know? Yeah, for, we haven't had a hut in any iteration of live since action. Since Return of the Jedi. Yeah. In a live action setting. Right. That looked anywhere near as good as what it did in 83. Right, right. So, that that ridiculous 1997 first special edition cut oof, in New Hope. Oof, oof. Yeah. The replacement looked rough. Yeah. You know, the 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 huts in the Phantom Menace look rough. Yep. I mean, I think at least at the very least, these two huts look pretty. I mean, it's the best looking. Yeah, definitely. You know, I'll give them that. Second to original Jabba. I think these yep. are the best looking ones. But I mean, you can still still tell they're CG. Um Steve, are these, I don't know if you know this, if you don't, it's mm-hmm. totally okay. Um, you know, I'm not going to kick you off the podcast or anything, but are those huts like established characters elsewhere in Star Wars canon or lore or legends or whatever? I don't have any, um, I don't have any reference to them being actually named. Okay. All right. So these are I not, I mean, but they're not have... like huts that showed up on the Clone no, Wars or anything. They're not that I know of. They're cousins of Jabba's. Okay. And they're twins. Yeah. So it seems like a pretty big Cooper family. Sister. Yeah. Yeah. Someday we'll get a, a, a hut family reunion. Um, then, Steve, another one. So, again, like one surprise after another. Then we get this crazy rough looking Charbaka, as I'm calling him. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So you don't know him. No, I don't know him. So, like, okay. I, he looks familiar to me. And I felt like, well, is this dude in Legends too, or? I don't know if he's in Legends. I won't speak to that. Okay. Um, I don't remember him from any of my Legends novels, mm-hmm. and, I, and I didn't read any comics. Okay. And I didn't read any Legends comics. You never read black, any Star Wars comics, horse. do you? I dabbled once Marvel got back involved after mm-hmm. the Disney the Disney purchase. Okay. I did. Yep. Um, but too many came out, and yeah, just punted on it. Yep. And. This guy is featured in the Dr. Afra comments comics. Uh, he is he appears in one of the first Darth Vader comic comics back in 2015. His name is Black Crescenton. Okay. Yep. I've heard I've so heard he's, of him. He's an established current canon, if you will, character okay. in the comics. Yeah. And this is our first view of him in live action. Man. Yeah. I, so, he, so I don't know I about you. I thought his, he was pretty awesome. He was. Um, he was I was I was hoping we'd see him throw down, but yeah. Oh, it's coming. Then you have to think about, okay, is he going to throw down right now? Are we going to lose him immediately? Cause we're not going to lose Fennec or Boba right now. Right. So right. it makes more sense that he didn't fight yet. Yeah. Um, yeah. But he looked cool. As soon as I saw him, I'm like, okay, I've seen him before. And I just didn't remember his name until I'm looking at wonderful Wikipedia, the bastion of knowledge. Yes. Oh man. Wikipedia. <clears throat> like what would we do without it? Um, yeah, I no, I thought he looked great. Like I think just visually, man, they did such a good job on him. So mm-hmm. like I can forgive the generic assassins from last week. 
um, now that we have that dude. Oh, the guys with the, uh, the guys with the little the little red force shields. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm not a huge fan of those, but you know they're they're just Team parkour boba fodder. So I guess it's okay. Um, yeah, but but this this Wookiee looked great, and and yeah, I'm sure we're gonna get that, Steve. We're gonna get a we're gonna get a throwdown. We're gonna get a really good throwdown. And the other yeah. thing I like about like that standoff, I thought was really good. Because, you know, the one concern that people have had and I've had is like, are we making Boba too soft? You know, is he going to be like too gentle and too, you know, respecting yeah, unity mean, or whatever? He's definitely a changed man. Yeah. Since the Sarlacc pit. Mm-hmm. But I, I, we, we, we've seen, we saw his performance out on Tython. Yeah. Right. Against those stormtroopers. Yeah. Was, he, w- he wasn't there to play. <laughs> but yeah, it seems like he's got a bit of a humanity streak going yeah and what's really cool yeah and i think that's what's great about the show right so they've established Mm -hmm. like he's throwing his weight around a bit and i was just like it was really cool to see him like he did not flinch in front of i mean this is the huts right and if you know star wars you know that like if you're dealing with two huts like you're dealing with this big criminal organization it's not just like one hut you're dealing with right so the fact that you know him and fennec didn't flinch at all nor did the gamorian bros Um, I thought that was pretty awesome. And like you said, and that's like a good segue, Steve, because I think what's becoming clear, like, you know, when Boba showed up in the Mandalorian, I was like, I don't, I don't know if I dig his new look. And then when they said, you know, respect and unity for this show, it's like, I don't know if that's really Boba, but then we get to, at this point in the episode, we go back to flashback land Mm -hmm. to Boba's time with the Tusken Raiders and everything is starting to become crystal clear. First of all, Steve, it occurred yeah. to me at the very beginning and became way more clear by the end of the episode. I have no doubt. I'm going to tell you right now where I think this show is going. I think ultimately what's going to happen is somebody's coming for Boba, either the Huts and all of their, you know, gigantic, you know, whatever organization that they have, mm-hmm. or it's the mayor or whatever other criminal syndicates. I've heard rumors, Steve, you probably have too, about other criminal organizations. I won't even mention it now. In case people weren't thinking that way. Let people be surprised, right? right. That could show up and challenge Boba for the throne on Tatooine. Um, I think that's going to happen. And when it does, I think what we will see is Boba bringing in his army of Tusken Raiders. And maybe that even grows, right? Because it looks like by the end of the episode, you have a couple things happening. Boba is ingratiating himself to the tribe, obviously, right? So Mm -hmm. he has basically become one of them. By the end of the show. And again, I think all of that was handled so beautifully. Um, the way they gave him his black robes, which I didn't put together till a little earlier in the episode. Like, oh, that's why he's got the black robes uh, under his armor. You right, know, they were bestowed upon him. They were bestowed, right? Like he earned mm-hmm. it by taking out this big Amtrak with, you know, the pikes on board, which we'll get to. Um, but also that, you know, he, he's becoming one of them. He's also unifying them. And maybe this is where the respect and unity comes in, right? And and maybe giving us a glimpse that maybe they'll unite with some other Tusken Raider tribes. Um, right. And that scene, that scene where he's talking about they don't need to be hidden anymore, right? And they can, they they should be able to come out. Yep. So and it's like, of, yeah, it's all making sense, you know. And what's also making sense too is like, uh, you know, another concern I had going back to the Mandalorian was like, are we making Tusken Raiders too nice? But now we're finding out like they're all different, you know. Some tribes mm-hmm. like is comes out in this episode. Some of them 
survive by killing, you know, and others of us aren't like that, dude. So I think that's pretty cool that we're getting all that. And I think that's inevitably what we're going to get. And so mm-hmm. going back full circle to something we mentioned earlier, when I say I like to see the same thing, but different, like, I do think this is going to fall back to sort of a, sort of a cliched sort of story. And I'm okay with that of sort of like, you know, there's a little bit of dances with wolves going on here or avatar, you know, where Boba becomes one of the natives and then sort of leads, you know, leads this revolt on John Dunbar, John Dunbar, Dunbar. Yeah. Uh, you know, he's going to lead a revolt on Tatooine. Um, but anyway, I love it. I think it's just, I think it's all awesome. Mm-hmm. And I think that, uh, that's probably where it's going. Um, one thing I think they should try harder to do, Steve, get the Banthas down. Okay. Yeah, those things drop. <laughs> those, those those things are just target practice. Yeah, it's like, every here's... time, every time the last train to Dunesville rolls by, yeah, it starts shooting. Banthas just start falling. Like if you can't, like I think that's it's that like an actual known saying in Star Wars. Like if you can't hit the side of a Bantha, I mean, you're surrounded by that... sand dunes. <laughs> If you can't, like, can you just get them over a dune? Which, by the way, you know, that's one of those funny little story things, Steve. Like, okay, so there's a train that comes through here and routinely Mm -hmm. picks you guys off. You live in tents. Could you not move over a dune or two to get out of the way of this train? Right. And there's there's a million examples of that in our little universe. But Totally okay, though. Totally okay. Oh, yeah. Um, Oh, yeah. Let's talk about something now. Let's yes. talk about Boba showing up like he's the new sheriff in town to that little cantina. Oh my goodness. You mean Boba Fester the bar brawler? Oh man. Which the... also couldn't they give him <clears throat> something more than his onesie when he heads off and says, Hey, I'm about to save us all. I'll be back by morning. And they're like, Yeah, yeah go ahead in that. They didn't know what he was doing. Yeah, they didn't know. They didn't know. But uh, I do. I did. I had to do a little research on this. Yep. But um, and if Wikipedia is to be believed, mm-hmm. apparently that's Toshi Station. No. Yeah, I. I've heard nobody else talk about this. I haven't been online much. Oh, that's fantastic. Apparently, apparently, that's Toshi Station, which is funny. Yeah. Because uh, in, I'm gonna have to go back to the deleted scenes from A New Hope and see what Tasha station looked like then or in that iteration, if that's even true. Oh, I, Hmm. So I do remember. So yeah, that's where like Biggs and everybody's hanging out and they're having right. like an American Biggs graffiti moment. Biggs yeah. and Cammy. Yep. And what's her in Lays 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 Lone Lone Osner or, or Loney Osner. I don't know how you say his name. Apparently. Do you remember them from the deleted scenes? Yes. In A New Hope that, that potential Luke girlfriend and right, that other right. dude. Yep. That oh, is man. them. That is them in the scene in the book of Boba Fett. No way. Yeah. Really? Wow. That's amazing. Wait, so, so they, are power converters like a mixed drink? Because <laughs> I can see why uncle Owen was, you know, a little hesitant, a little, come on back. Yeah. 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 <laughs> but, uh, I, I, I don't know. I don't yeah. know. Wow, that's fascinating. Apparently, that's Toshi Station, though. Well, you know what I like about that even more is that they didn't say that. Like, yeah, you know, I'm going to Toshi Station. Yeah, oh, I gotta go to Toshi <laughs> yeah. Station. 
Sand people don't care what that name is. <laughs> yeah. Takeouts and marauders. Um, right. Did, yeah. So I'm assuming, uh, I'm assuming you loved that scene like I did. I mean, that was pretty cool. Yes. Kind of your classic yes. roadhouse scene, but like in Boba style, which uh, was pretty great. And, and just the whole thing of like, you know, the Tuscan Raiders are teaching him their fighting style, which is mm-hmm. like, you know, mm-hmm. which that's cool too. And so, you know, a big picture point here, Steve is that um, even after last week's episode, even with the story being a little simplistic, I kind of reminded myself like, you know, you should have faith. Steve, this is like when the Patriots lose a couple games early in a season and people start freaking out. It's like, you know, every year. Yeah. Like every year, like, you know, (laughs) I don't, I don't know if you're aware, but Bill Belichick has a decent track record of getting things straightened out. And, you know, I'm starting to feel the same way about this show where it was like after chapter one, it was like, well, that was pretty basic. Like, is that, you know, are those the kind of stories we can expect? And I reminded myself at the time, Steve, like we got to have a little faith in John Favreau and Dave Filoni, like totally, totally. We have no reason to not have it. No reason to not to. Mm-hmm. And we saw that between Mandalorian seasons one and two, where sometimes something would happen in an episode and you're like, Oh, that was kind of lame. But then you find out later why it happened. And to yep. me, the fact like there is no doubt in my mind that when they rec- when they filmed uh, the Boba Fett episode of Mandalorian season two, they knew all this backstory already. Like they gave right. him the black robes because they knew uh, he and could fight. You know, and you I asked at the time, like, wait, well, like since when does he fight like that? Mm-hmm. You know, is that just because, you know, I, and, you know, I have to admit. I faulted Robert Rodriguez like, oh, he just likes tough guy stuff and he just wanted Boba to like beat the crap out of people. But I was wrong. You know, like there's a reason for it. Well, that um, your point about not not sure why they do it and then later on finding out why they did it or getting some sort of payoff as to why they did it. Mando season one, the prison break episode. Right. the group of brand new thugs and okay now we get standard comedian bill burr there yeah kid as a standalone episode it it that's really what it was I yeah mean, it did i mean there were there were some connections leading in and out of the episode but really you could have they could have done something a little bit different and not had that episode at all right you wouldn't miss it no fast forward to the you know the penultimate season two episode yeah finale Bill Burr is a star of the show. Yeah. Yeah. And he was awesome. And it even came into the second episode of season two when Boba, uh, when, when Mando gets pulled over in space by the uh, new Republic police. Um, You know, the, the whole reason they do that is because of, uh, or no, they come back and save him at the end of that episode too. From yeah, the, well, they from come the back and spiders. save him. Yeah. Yeah. And it's all because <laughs> the, of what happened. Frog ladies, yeah. <laughs> frog ladies eggs and uh, baby Yoda. Sucking oh. the sucking the spider goo down. Yeah. Oh man, you know I had a name for for those people, and now I'm forgetting what it was. The spiders or the frog ladies? Uh, the frog ladies' husband, Senor Frog. That's what it was. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, like, and, and and that's when you know uh, that's the point that I realized. Like, wow, even in an episode, and I never really cared for that episode, the prisoner. Um, but even in an episode that I didn't like that much, there's stuff in there that matters and that comes mm-hmm. into play, and there's consequences too. Like yep. Boba just doesn't, I mean, Boba Mando, same thing. 
Mando doesn't just go in and raid this New Republic prison ship with no consequences. Like, something's going to come back later. And I think that's great. And I think, like, you know, from this point on, you know, like, I I feel bad that I even doubted it at all last week, even though I, you know, quickly caught myself. I'm like, what am I doing? You know, like, have faith in these yeah, guys. They know what they're doing. Slow down. It's all going to be okay. It's all mm-hmm. going to be good. Steve, I think maybe the last thing... Uh, unless you have anything else, you know, and feel free if there's anything we're missing here. Uh, these are just my notes, but the train sequence yep. is, to me, one of the best action sequences in any Star War. That was really good. I thought it was amazing. really good. Yeah. Um, when I when I was watching it live, <laughs> I didn't realize who the people were that were on the train. Yeah. And they poked their head up. And when they poked their head up out of the hatch, yeah. the time the same people in uh, Boba got on top of the thing, I'm like, are those Tito's? Are those Tito's from Jakku? Oh. Those dude. <laughs> I was looking at my kids. I'm like, are those Tito's? And they're both like, huh? <laughs> Tito's. They're both looking at me funny. And no, it's the Pike Syndicate. It's the Pikes. The yep. Pikes. Yes. Yep. Previously seen in Solo, a Star Wars story, also seen in mm-hmm. the final season. Of, I mean, I think they're in a lot of Clone Wars. Uh, they showed up in the final season of the Clone Wars. Um, yeah. But yeah, and they're from the Spice Mines of Kessel, as it turns out. So we're also finding out, like, so Boba really is becoming like Clint Eastwood. You know, he's like, you guys selling drugs in my neighborhood? <laughs> Better not be. <laughs> Get off my sand. But you know what's great about that, too, Steve? is that they actually talk about spice. They're not erasing spice from the history mm-hmm. of Star Wars because I like that was a that was a thing with Solo where it's like look, we we know that Han ran spice. But then this whole thing turns out to be about coaxium and it's like shouldn't it be about spice? But you know, and a lot of people felt like well Disney wants to clean it up for the kids and we don't want Han dealing drugs or whatever. It's like come on. Like, you know, we know what's <laughs> up. Uh, so it's really great to see, you know, this is this is a really bad soundbite for anybody to pull from this, but it's really great to see people dealing drugs in Star Wars again. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this is my star wars yeah thank this, you yeah, this, yeah. <laughs> oh man uh, i thought that was great yeah the, the, and the thing about the action sequence again is it's not basic for lack of a better word you know mm-hmm. like I, you know at first i'm thinking okay there's a train there's gonna be a little shootout whatever but there were some very unexpected things that happened there and what's always great is when things go wrong you know mm-hmm. and i hope you know anyone making film or television should know this. Like things right. should like go the, wrong. I'd, it reminded me a lot of the train, the train scene in solo. Right. And the fight on top of it. And actually, you know what the fight on top of the, uh, the, Man. uh, the right, the Rhydonium hauler in Mando in season two. Set. Yeah. 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 But they were jumping on there. They were fighting brawling. It was funny. And that was one of my favorite moments of the Mandalorian. And I think, I think mm-hmm. this was even better. I, to me, this is just as good as the train heist in solo. And I don't know, maybe, maybe it'll take a second viewing, you know, to say, is this actually better? But it was that really. Tuscan, I, the Tuscan warrior that helped train Boba throw down. Oh that yeah. That dude's amazing. All right. Now, Steve, uh, I think, so you, the one that's training him, Mm-hmm. I think is a woman, correct? This looks like a female Tuscan Raider to me. I didn't get that impression, but I will. The one that's got little... some red. 
I didn't notice that. I, I will 100% guarantee that right now. I will go on record. I don't know if that's established or not, but... I thought you were going to get crazy and apply something different. And what? I thought you were going to get crazy and apply something different, like it was a, for, like it's a former Jedi. Okay, well, not exactly. But here's what I'm wondering. Like, we still haven't seen Fennec. We still don't know how they met. And she's... Uh, who met? Boba and Fennec Shand. Do we know? We don't know how they met, do we? He saved her in the desert in episode season one of Mandalorian. True, he did. True, he did, right? But is that where they met? Or did they already know each other? Oh, and, okay. and I'm just yeah, wondering, I like, I'm getting this weird, you know, maybe this person just continues being the Tuscan Black Widow. I don't know. <laughs> but maybe at some point she's going to take off that thing and be somebody. And I know, I know, Steve. This is one of those stupid things us Star Wars fans do that we probably shouldn't do, which is just like expect that everything is going to be some big reveal. But with her, for some reason, I'm thinking like, dude, look, she's an amazing fighter. Like she's better than Boba, right? Like I think that's been mm -hmm. established. Like she can easily take Boba. Now she's training her, uh, training him to be basically on her level. She's dressed in all black, but with some red accents. So I'm just wondering, you know, like, could it be could it be Fennec? If it's not Fennec, like, I don't expect it to be anybody else. But I'm just wondering, you know, maybe maybe that's the thing. Because here's what I'm also expecting, Steve. Oh. oh. You know? Okay. Because here's be, another possibility. I, I think I, there's I now, a chance. I now have figured out why you're... Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, so here's another thing, right? Because, like, one of the things I think could happen on this show, I think that these Tuscan Raiders that he's rolling with right now could end up getting wiped out. Like, you could have a pretty dark you know, Boba motivation. Um, things could take a dark turn where a lot of them get killed off and that drives him even more or something, you know, something like that could, again, going back to sort of a dances with wolves kind of thing. Yeah. Um, and what I love about this too, is that he becomes attached, right? So to me, we talked about like before the show came out, we talked on the skywalk about like what could motivate somebody, like if you're going to make Boba nice, right. Or even respectful and unified. There should be a really good reason that he's just a, like, that he's no longer just an, I don't care, I'm in it for myself bounty hunter, right? Mm -hmm. And I think this show is establishing, like, the one thing that can do that is kids. Like, I think, honestly, like, what's really cool is you see Boba watching the kids in this episode and being, like, just kind of happy, you know? And that's, like, a real thing, man. So, like, if, if you're going to sell me on somebody, like you said at the beginning, you know, he's a changed man for sure. And if there's one way for someone like Boba Fett to change to that degree, it's it's kids and family, you know, it, and, and it, it, that may sound basic or hokey, but I mean, that's the that's the truth. And that's what got me in this episode, too. And like, this is one of the reasons why I thought like, OK, Robert Rodriguez did not direct this episode, not to keep <laughs> crapping on the poor guy. But I'm like, man, there's so much heart in this and it's so earned and legit mm -hmm. and like. Man, so I don't know. I just think that I think that could happen. I think they could end up getting wiped out and maybe like Fennec is the only one left. Maybe that's what, you know, drives her away and she ends up being, you know, I know this is crazy theory. Might be completely okay. wrong. Okay. You know what? I think that I think that would not be completely wrong because in the Bad Batch, Fennec is with the little girl Omega. True. True. And in cahoots somewhat with Cad Bane. And oh, but you know what? I think you just proved my theory wrong. <laughs> because I'm, she is in the Bad Batch, which goes way back. So she was already yeah, Fennec like, before that. 
So she wouldn't yeah, be kind of Yeah, definitely like five years show. of Revenge of the Sith. Ah, oh, dang it. So now, and I said I'm not going to edit the episode, so I can't cut out my stupid wrong theory anymore. Anyways, I guess that's not going to happen, Steve. So do you think she could be anyone? <laughs> Is there anyone that she could turn out to be? I don't know. Maybe that's it. Well, you, you've definitely, and I can't pull it up right now mm-hmm. unless I completely just stay mute and search around for pictures. But I mean, if it is a woman, who knows? I don't yeah. know. Unless she went in hiding from the Empire. Settled in with the Tuscans the same way Boba's doing. Not that he's I mean, it's a pretty big person. It's at least as tall as, the person's at least as tall as Boba Fett. Yeah, yeah. Well, apologies in advance to all the move milkers for making you sit through that theory, which is probably not true. Yeah. And it took me so long to get there, too. <laughs> like, uh, I didn't want to call out the show host like and, that. And you unraveled it so easily. You're just like, oh, yeah, like, uh, remember when she was in the Bad Batch, dude? Uh, yeah, okay, pal. Um, another reason I loved the writing of this episode. Yeah. And, uh, you know, again, Favreau was trying this time. Your lives are a gesture of our civility. I thought that was a terrific line. When Boba's like, hey, your lives are your reward for this transaction. (laughs) We're sending you home. We're not killing you. Be grateful. That whole thing was just so good, man. Who did he even say that to? He said that to the leader of the Pikes. The the Pikes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, the Pikes. Yeah. As As he was holding court. Do you remember if we've seen what they actually look like under the helmets before? Because we definitely didn't see it in Solo. No, no, I didn't. In, I in fact, the I don't remember. I'd have to watch Solo again. Yeah. Uh, I don't actually remember seeing the Pikes in Solo. I remember hearing them referred to. Yeah, I mean, they were sort of an afterthought on Kessel. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um. Steve, I think we have covered most of the things in this episode, though I do have uh, a couple of more notes. The engineer mm-hmm. on the train. Talk about practical effects being awesome. Now, it, it is entirely impo- it's t- entirely possible that some of that was CG, that that robot was CG. I, I don't know, because it, it is a lot easier. Yeah, to I'm, thinking sell. 100%, I'm thinking 100% on that. You think it's 100% CG? Oh, yeah. it leapt out of the train out of the desert. Well, that part, yeah, <laughs> sure, sure. But yeah, yeah. But no, I mean, look, the skilled thing to do is to mix both, right? So like when they first oh, show you mean, you in mean the train. Inside, yeah, inside like Johnny, the train. Johnny Cab from Total Recall. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, like I thought it looked awesome. I thought that was really cool. Whether it's CG or not, it doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. You know, the point is it looked real. And I thought that was a lot of fun. Uh, that dude was crazy, man. Like, and he was pretty committed to like hanging with the pikes. I think like, yeah, you know, no, he, he, he didn't want to give, he didn't want to give it up. Most train conductors would be like, oh, you took over the train. Cool. I'll go wherever you want. Like, just don't hurt me, you know? Yep. But, no, uh, I'm out. Uh, Steve, do they have any budget left after this episode? <laughs> of course. It was all in the volume, man. Uh, I don't mean. Okay, I don't think, I don't yeah. think it was all in the volume. I mean, like, dude, this but. episode to me, like all of that action, um, it, it felt like, the first episode of season two of the Mandalorian, the one with Cobb Vanth and the crate dragon and everything. And it was just like, man, like the scale of this, you know, Jeff and I talked last time about if we were in non pandemic times, Mm -hmm. would they show these in movie theaters? Like the way they, you know, we talked about how they'll show world series Uh, games or NFL playoff games in movie theaters, or they started doing that before the pandemic. Like they hadn't previous. I mean, did they show any Mando episodes in in season one? Um, did Mando a, uh, start? So season one was pre-pandemic. 
Yeah. Oh, I guess oh, you're yeah. right. I guess they didn't. You know, but like yeah, we didn't because March March of March of twenty is when the thing really took off, and I think we got the season premiere. You're right. That previous. To me, the thing is, like, you're going to make an episode that big, like the Krayt Dragon episode of Mando. And it's like, man, it would be great for people to be able to watch that in a theater. That would have been awesome. So, like, I don't think... In in IMAX. Yeah, exactly. That scene itself. And I don't think Disney would have ever done that as, like, a wide release thing. Oh, sorry. Mm, I don't think every episode would have benefited much from that. I agree. I mean, there, there was some confined space episodes in that. Yeah, I mean, I would have went to the episode. I would have went to the theaters to see every app. It wouldn't have mattered. But oh, totally, yeah. And I think um, it would have made sense to do for the Crate Dragon episode, for example. Mm-hmm. I think with the Book of Boba Fett with this current season, it would be like maybe you do the first episodes together. But definitely, like this episode felt just way up a notch uh, in terms of scale, and I just thought it was incredible. Definitely. Mm-hmm. Um, also, loved uh, the sort of final scene with Boba joining the Tusken Raiders in a dance. Um, Steve, I looked this up because I couldn't remember well, what it's called. That was after he crafted his own Oh, right, his own gaffy stick. So to speak. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So Steve, gaffy that stick, reminded which, me. Yeah, go ahead. I Maybe I should have known this, but when he was wielding that thing in season two of The Mandalorian, I had no idea how much wood that was made out of. True. Because when he was dragging it mm-hmm. along the sand before he went and, you know, Tiger Woods, that guy's helmet <laughs> almost right off his face. Yeah. It sounded metallic. Right. And he was dragging the horn of it. That's true. So I I thought it was a little bit more metal and a little heavier than what they kind of showed us him crafting. Right. But... I mean, it looked like a pretty solid branch, you know, like what I, I liked oh, yeah. about it, because at first you think, well, if it's just wood, like, would it really be like that great a weapon? But then when it you must be s- fairly dense. Yes. Yeah. And I think they conveyed that. And, you know, in real mm-hmm. life, that was probably styrofoam and weighed like half an ounce. But like they sold it as like <laughs> a pretty weighty thing. And then they right. craft it and then they put it in the fire to really like, you know, forged, forged in the flames of Tatooine. Um so I thought that was pretty incredible. And the dance that they do at the end, I'm guessing, Steve, I don't know if you remember, mm-hmm. but in Disney Gallery for The Mandalorian Season 2, uh, Tamora Morrison, who plays Boba Fett, of course, did his traditional Maori Haka dance. Yes, I looked right. that up. I wouldn't have remembered that. Um, no. Indigenous people know. of New Zealand. So I'm guessing mm-hmm. maybe that's what that is. And they incorporated that into the show, which I think is awesome. Is- Part of his Maori heritage. Yeah. Now he said he's definitely incorporated that into his character. Mm-hmm. Um, from the little that I've read of this episode, I didn't quite see them overtly say that was what the dance was from, but it stands to reason that's what it was. That's where that's where its basis is. Yeah, it makes sense, and you know, like mm-hmm. why not, right? Um, but I think it's really cool, and I'm I'm thinking like. Man, like this dude, like he just so owns the character now and it's great. And I yeah. think the, the more that you let somebody like him or any any actor or actress just incorporate things from, you know, their real life, their personal life, you know, mm-hmm. they're just going to they're just going to live in it more and the character is going to feel more real. I think that's awesome. Right. I mean, j- just like Bill Burr. Yeah. Yeah. They were like, hey, kid, you want to bring your styrofoam medium sized Dunkin' Donuts cup on set? Go ahead. Yeah. <laughs> Knock yourself out, kid. Uh, what would they say on Mandalore? <laughs> oh, oh, the shame. Uh, oh, man. He was so good. Um, 
I had one final note, Steve, which is this. Mm-hmm. That trippy lizard, man. Like, oh, yeah. That whole that little sequence. Geico, yeah. That Geico Gecko lizard <laughs> really working overtime to sell him insurance. Yeah. <laughs> I did not expect that thing to leap off that little uh, wicker Petri dish that he handed him and fly straight up his nose. Yeah, and Bobo I was, I wasn't... wasn't wait- Bobo wasn't expecting to get the Patrick Mahomes deal on his car insurance either. No, no. Which, you know, it worked out for him. It worked out. You know, it reminded me of the, I don't know if you've ever seen The Simpsons when uh, Homer, go they go to a fair, a state fair, and there's this like super flaming hot pepper that like nobody can handle supposedly. So Homer coats it with wax and swallows it whole. And he's like, yeah, that wasn't so bad. And then he just totally trips out. And he goes and has this like completely hallucinogenic vision in he this like southwest style desert. He didn't expect the wax to deteriorate. No, of course him, not. No. Amidst a stomach acid. Even thinking of the wax was like kind of a leap for Homer, right? It's next level Homer, yeah. yeah. <laughs> next level Homer. Oh man, Steve, I thought this episode mm-hmm. was amazing. It was. Um, I was uh I was kind of hoping we got back to his current his current day. Uh-huh. I was I but the way it ended with that Myri style dance scene was really good. Yeah. I mean, it was, it was, you know, going on an almost an hour long. So they didn't have time to get back and do more modern day scene with them. We served that for the next episode. Right. Yeah. And, and speaking of next episode, like going forward, I, I do expect there'll be some, some episodes that are much shorter uh, and, and pretty basic. Um, but I think there's also, I mean, there was so much character growth in this episode. I think we can expect a lot more of that too. So, um, what's great about it. I think we have no idea where this is going and I can't wait to find out Steve quick shout out before we, before we end shout out Mm -hmm. to the hollow net marauders who are they, who also have a star Wars podcast. And they're also Steve from the great state of Taxachusetts. No. Yeah. Really? Just found this out. Yeah, because uh, apparently we all have a mutual love of Sidon Athano and his first mate Quigold or Quigold, however you pronounce it. I don't know what that means. Total background characters from The Force Awakens. They ended up getting their own book and their own comic. And I just love those guys. Long story. I need to see a picture. Yeah. If I yeah. saw a picture, I'd, yeah. I'll show it to you later. But uh, we kind of connected around that. And uh, yeah, good to have good to have Star Wars podcast friends all around the state. So uh, shout sure. out to them. Listen right to their on. episode, uh, a recent episode. I think it was their like Book of Boba preview. And it was really good. Really enjoyed it. So check those guys I, out. I will, I will at least subscribe and download. Yeah. I might not listen, but I'm definitely going to subscribe and download. It's the least you can do, Steve. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe leave them a review just on Blind Faith. Five stars, no text. <laughs> Steve, thank you so much for being here. And, and we definitely have to have you back on, you know, because people need to know that you and Jeff are not the same person. You need to appear in the same place at the same time. Just a little more lively than I am. He wants to be on with you too. Uh, we actually wanted to fight I don't believe you. it. Yeah, you know, well, we, wanna, it. We, we have some beef. So we, yeah, okay. we all need yeah. to get this resolved. Get some beef. Are we going to talk about Dash Rendar? Uh, yeah, we'll talk about Dash. Yeah. We'll talk he about- He better uh, not show up. He yeah. better not show up in Boba Fett. We'll talk about that trash. Uh, what's his name? What's that bounty hunter that you think is cool? That I think is cool? Yeah. Cad Bane? Yeah, yeah. That's Everyone the one. thinks he's cool. No, nobody does. He's trash. Um, wow, you are in the minority, <laughs> my friend. This is Brett. This is Steve. And we're just talking about Star Wars, the book of Boba Fett on the Skywalk. <laughs>